Hello and welcome to the Salomon Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. So this is Cider Salon Part 2. Uh, last time we had Part 1, we met and spoke to some really interesting people. This time uh, we're speaking to Felix Nash, who curated the Cider Salon. Uh, Felix Nash runs a great company called the Fine Cider Company. And he sources and distributes basically some of the best cider going to great restaurants, hotels, etc. And he's really forging a path in terms of putting fine cider alongside uh, wine and, 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 and making some real progress. He's, he's a real integral part of the future of cider, I think. Um, we also spoke to Martin, who currently manages the uh, Finsbury Park Clapton Craft, but uh, ha- has a future elsewhere potentially. So uh, watch this space. He's a man with a real colourful approach to tasting notes and uh, a real grasp of language that I've not come across before and uh, yeah I really like listening to him talk about uh, food and drink in general so I'll be really excited to see what he ends up doing. Uh, We've got the guys from Two Belly, I believe they've just opened their beer and cheese shop in Bristol so that's been ongoing, I know they're doing the fit out, they've got the keys so, so yeah watch this space for Two Belly. Uh, and then we spoke to Ben from Starve Crow Cider down in Sussex. Uh, we spoke to Gabe Cook again. He crops up a lot in the world of cider. And uh, Ryan from Angry Orchard. So Ryan's from the States and he's done a few collaborations with Tom Oliver. And although we didn't actually speak to Tom Oliver in this podcast, he was rammed and, and sort of overrun with with fans. Uh, he, his name crops up a lot. And, and if you know the world of cider, you'll understand why. But really, Tom is a great advocate for fine cider. He gets out there, he gets on the road, he gets his product and others uh, in front of the right people. And he's been a real major part of getting me involved in the world of cider. So yeah, bit bit of a mention of Tom there, even though we don't chat to him. So yeah, so this is uh, Cider Salon Part 2. Enjoy. Cheers. I think it's the idea that you make up your own tasting notes, totally. It's, it's it, memories of stuff when you're a kid, it's whatever else, it's, it's vernacular as can be, then obviously you have the difficulties of you make someone else know that, but then again it's always quite a personal experience, so yeah, what the fuck not? Well, we're, at InVibe we started doing like the, in, you go talking about like what, um, kind of how to sell cider, but one of the benefits of it being kind of the bastard drink out of all of it is it can blend lines between everything. So I jump between describing it like uh, vintages and uh, terroir and like fine wine. Well, then you go to beer and you go to like uh, kind of varieties, like even hops in those kind of blends, but it doesn't feel disingenuous in either one. And what's the only problem is people haven't engaged in it enough to, like I said earlier about like uh, Foxworth and Verizon, that they actually have different fruit kind of expressions. Mm just have to be ballsy enough to just say it and then someone yeah. will go yeah, actually yeah to, to accept that you know that you're you're often only basing it on your own sense of taste or your own history with it and then again it's not like anyone else knows the answers in some ways so actually putting that differentiation on it and why not do it by taste rather than by obscure technical things and I think it's such an important thing the way that people judge things relative to other things the morning advertiser like Cider Summit yesterday it was really funny like all of the big industry people are talking just through statistics at the start, you know? Woo-hoo. It's the following, following what's been happening in the last few years and trying to forecast forwards. There's no individual thought in it in the slide test. 
they were always, 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 always talking of cider relative to beer, you know. And you're like, well, for me, for me, I think personally, the nature of cider is never like a quality judgment, but the nature of cider fits at its best in the middle, in a way, between beer and wine. So, you know, I was, they, they were saying about how one of the trends in, in alcohol is like no alcohol. It's like, so they're talking about doing like 2% cider. And you're like, well, hold on a second. You're like, you can look at it the other way around. So it's like half the alcohol wine. You know, like it's only a frame of reference is so, so important with these things. So, just change the goalposts. Yeah. 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 yeah, just realise you're playing rugby on a football pitch and, you know, and then start to... <laughs> so, so am I getting the impression that the world of cider tends to attract slightly abstract thinkers? Like there's, there seems to be a lot of people with a kind of sideways look at things. You know, you're talking about finding a whole new vocabulary to describe the flavours and the taste. Like you're not using the kind of the beer approach, you're not using the wine approach, you're kind of inventing a new way of doing this. I think it's I, I think you've got to have a certain bit of character or like individuality to, to go out on the limb that is cider in some senses. Yeah, right. um, but more than that more than that I would put it I would put it as a testament to cider that when you get to know it, it seems like that is A, how it is, and B, what it deserves. Yeah, right. I put it more in that direction. When you're speaking, so interesting, like, so, so, just for the sake of the, the podcast, Felix, you run a company called Fine Cider Company. So when you're speaking to chefs or not, uh, do, you, do, you, do you try and frame it in a kind of a language that they're more sort of au fait with? Like, you know, do you go at them as a sort of a wine merchant that sells wine or...? No, I, I stood it from a very individual side. I don't yeah. like the idea of any false pretenses. I love that even with that, and I encourage people to speak of it very from their relative individual side. Mm. Um, I speak a lot, say, from taste memory. You know, and often that's not the best, best things because you know that means I would have had to, you know, known, eaten lots of the best, best things in order to do that. But luckily nowadays I get to do a little more things to my lovely customers. But um, no, I just, I really, really think having entire humility, the greatest um, example is Tom Oliver, uh, having humility and always asking what you don't know is the best, best way to actually go to play in depth. And I think right. it totally applies even to the selling side. You know, when you're talking about this stuff, sort of what you get, what you experience, what you like is fundamentally the, the best way to approach it. Yeah. And also then it's just a certain confidence to that. A chef, yeah. a chef or someone else, if you're, if you're purely speaking in those ways, you know, I, all, I often speak from I get, you know, that's often my kind of okay. description, what so I So you're weaving in the, the whole subjective thing, you're kind of saying, well, I, in my opinion it's this, but yeah. I'm sort of a welcoming you to have your opinion. Yeah, totally, because yeah, right. I, think, I think they are good enough quality, their strengths, the problems they're doing, stand up on their own well enough that, you know, I don't need to try and dress it up, really, yeah. you know? All of the things that I work with sell their elements I like anyway, you know, so I'm always going to be saying what I like about something. I think that comes across. One of the joys I have with what I do, I'm able to really try and be that picky within cider, which is a thick, very broad, broad thing that can be a massive minefield. You know? Yeah, right. Um, and I get to sit over there on the beach of wonderful cider whilst all the other stuff's going on. So, you know. No, you're all right, you're all right. <laughs> right, I'm going to give you my. Yeah, sorry. Basically, I'm making a nuisance of myself by uh, <laughs> just getting in. People's no, way while they're trying to enjoy cider. Doing these things. I'm going to carry two microphones. This isn't on. To... It's just people get out of my way. Oh no, that's right? the respect. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to carry microphones. I'm not going to be plugged into anything. No. But everyone is actually going to be really like, you know. And I, say, I get to have some really interesting this? conversations. Yes. <laughs> put it that way. It's, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. So what's, who should I uh, go on? I was going to say what's mm. beautiful though with cider and going back to it is that. 
because wine and uh, now I guess beer as well have those kind of grounded things like people know what to expect when you give them a gamay and they like uh, like Bordeaux wine like there's these whole vocabulary is there already and they understanding and the parameters of it and with cider people haven't engaged in it as such so it's kind of like a lot of the makers and sellers responsibility to get people involved to a point where the yeah. vocabulary can begin to be established and then you can break the fucking rules after that yeah, right. but even like treating Tom's stuff with the respect and describing it as a fully fledged project not a fucking alternative to anything it's like that's the best it can be here it is but that's really interesting because you so I've heard two or three people say well it sort of sits somewhere between beer and beer and wine and actually I get that but shouldn't there really be a push for it just to be like you, you're kind of you're, you're, you're kind of about you're explaining it to people in a way that they can understand which I appreciate but equally it is very much it, to, it's, own its own thing yeah for its own, exactly I totally, yeah. I totally agree with that that's why I think things shouldn't be too much well I, I think actually the danger then comes if it overly mirrors if it seems like something's looking you know, in appearance or in description too close or trying to mirror, say, the descriptions of wine, that's why I like the vernacular side of things. Because then you're inherently referential to something else. Yeah. So it's always derivative. But I actually do think things still need to be put in an understandable form. They can't just be free-floating. And it is a very, very fine boundary between something you know, being doled up uh, label-wise so it looks like a derivative of a sparkling wine relative to something being, you know, of quality and being shown in something. Yeah, right. Uh, the same I think applies to how you talk about it, describe it, everything. It, it does need its own way, and I agree with mine as well on this, that it does not exist. Like, even the sense of styles, even looking around here, you don't have a proper yet uh, differentiation of styles, things that people hopefully will get to know, something like Hebeck, you know, which is a, a style based on method. You, know? um, you will get to know the certain properties of it it's got nothing to do with wine nothing to do with beer um, but you still get some really it's everything still a little bit of a, a mixed soup yeah. if you will you know i mean i think it's, not, it's not categorized enough in that sense. yeah no definitely and i think i saw a lot of tasting i don't know for you guys but you seem to be in the world of cheese you're kind of you're, you're meeting people's expectations and actually the the the, the discussion revolves around how a, a certain product veers away you know, veers away from that expectation. So like you were saying, people know what to expect from a Gamay. So people know what a Bordeaux is, but when you go to a wine tasting, hi, uh, how you doing? Um, it, it's how it, it veers away from that expectation. Well, like, Do you know what I mean? With all yeah, those. Okay, yeah. yeah, but, but yeah. with cider, people are coming with an expectation that is so vastly removed from what we're drinking today that you almost have to approach the world of tasting differently. But you could you know? say that like with the uh, subsections of wine and beer being like craft beer natural wine. Sure. They're completely yeah, loose terms that have no real legal grounding. No. But they're an ethos. Mm. The problem is with cider, the ethos has always been, oh it's like the summer drink like since the not always since the nineties and the Magnus kind of effect, yeah, right. it's been sold as this alternative ethos. And people are now kind of coming into, especially my shop, and they they think Recordlig, Copperberg, uh, all those things are an alternative and like a cool thing. Yeah. Because it's a brand rather than a product. So it's like 
it's confused on like another level past everything else. Yeah. So we need to establish everything and say what a sign should be. And I wish the fucking law was there to say about Apple Just Just content. A, yeah, right. Like, I wish it was in the favour of good signer rather than certain people making money. Yeah, yeah, right. I agree. But I think I think that can happen, but it will happen after cider gets a bit more of a profile itself. It'll always be a following thing in that particular manner. And I think like it's it's fascinating. Um, Get yeah, 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 go for it. It's fascinating when you put it in reference again even to the beer side, that you yeah. are having people who approach it with the idea of cider as a long drink, as a multiple multiple by the pint thing, often not too many because the, the sugar, the, everything else, the sparkling element. Um, the idea that you are then, and this is one of the real joys of craft beer in my view, you have an appreciation of things in intensity in smaller volume. Okay. You know, I think this is partly why in Martin's is so well, like the craft beer world is so wonderfully open to these things. You have very easily translatable elements of quality, be it the years, the two years, for example, that something might be aged as, as a cider from, you know, including fermentation and okay. everything else before it's released. You have very, very tangible things that someone can understand in small description. You have an ability to engage with something as a small drink rather than just say it's a long drink. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, you know, it's a real attribute and that's people who already have their minds open. I think that's why it crosses over with natural wine and craft beer and inherently people who are open to and looking at different variations, equal space. Right. Definitely. So I've, I've, I won't tell you who, yeah. uh, but described you as a visionary. How do you respond to that? I say, uh, thank you, James. Yeah, right. Did <laughs> I get it right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> That's why that's just doesn't, and that's doesn't why count. Yeah, yeah. Felix does what it's he does. It's a small world of good yeah, yeah, cider. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Great, like that. Yeah, um, Nailed it. <laughs> no, I, 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 again, that's a very lovely, wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, I just put that as testament to cider again. It's not, you know, it's how you see it, how you look at it. Yeah. Um, I've got my way of seeing things, looking at it, we're thinking about it. Um, this is a wonderful example of that. The, Cider at its best is a thing of variety. Uh, Martin talked about the different wine varieties again, and the, the style side we wrote, we touched on. Like the, um, the variation that you can get mm. means it's always it's always jumping around. You can't. No one can really kind of take it all in. I, I haven't got a clue where things are going to end up. I have my hopes on certain elements and attributes that go forwards and develop. But for me, more than anything, and this is why again events like this are so beneficial. Imagining what, say, a decade down the line, whenever, when these things are known and are understood, when there are set nuances of style that people can then really dig into the absolute depths of, be it from varieties to methodology, I think that's when things will be really, really, really fascinating. Yeah. We're seeing some sights of the beginnings of things. You know? It's a whole mixed bag here. So we're yeah. here at the beginning today. It feels a little bit yeah. like that. Yeah. I think so. I really think so. I've so privileged. Yeah, and it's you know? nice. And it's nice. It's it's nice. I love that. I just don't, don't, That's nice. don't put this on the internet or anything because otherwise other people know about it and then we're yeah. not to ourselves anymore. <laughs> so we don't have a jolly old time with people you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there you we'll go. just start paying lots of money for this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, no, none of that. Yeah. Um, listen, Felix, I'll let you crack <laughs> on and get another yeah, drink. But thanks, Cheers. man. See you in a bit. Take care. So that's Felix Nash who... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say James of Little Pomona is absolutely spot on. So Felix uh, is a bit of a visionary, really. He's seen a place for fine cider in the world of fine wine and on wine lists in top restaurants. And he runs a distribution company taking products primarily from Herefordshire 
um, and Sound of Few Beyond, but mainly Herefordshire, to the London restaurant market. It's the guys from Two Belly. How are we doing? What, what have you tried? How are you getting on? Orchids, that yeah, okay. the only fermentation. Yeah. Um, which Tom, the, the idea of the leaf fermentation was that flavor. Okay. And I think it's also trying to isolate uh, yeast strains. However, yes. yeah, in science at GCC, I got double E. <laughs> I felt myself drifting off in the back there. <laughs> no, but you know, he makes you try. He makes you smell the leaves before you try. Okay. And it's actually very delicious. Is he, is he, so really, I was chatting to James down there from Little Pomona, and the way he talks about his cider is very much as a kind of, I guess as like as an artist. He said, well, we let the apples do what they do, and then we blend from there, and it's all by instinct and taste. I think taste. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, but, there's an essence of that yeah. combined with the kind of mad professor. Yeah, right. He told a story of like, in the middle of a meeting, suddenly having a light bulb moment, yeah. walking out of the meeting with his finance director being like, cool. what, what the hell are you doing? I need to get a cider. You do, have you tried the Mayflower? Yeah, yeah, we tried the first oh, one in. That was a bit heavy. Yeah, that's a big hitter. But we're gonna go, we've got um, these guys down here. Yeah. So we're gonna start here. Cool. With a really disgustingly good looking people. They're right. And then work our way down. <laughs> <laughs> down the scale of good looking or yeah, just much, anything to do with cider? Yeah, the right, okay, fair enough. enough. Well, as you drink, it'll look better. Yeah. Cool, enjoy. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> see you later. Hello, mate, I'm Sam uh, from Salomon doing a bit of a podcast record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going? Yeah, Ben, nice to meet you, man. You doing all right? Yeah, good. Good. Cool. It's roasting. That's all right, it means people drink more cider and uh, I'm even more passionate about it. I'm dying, I think I'm going to stand in my ice bucket. Yeah. <laughs> What are you trying there, Gabe? We are on the Starve Crow um, Bourbon Barrel Ferment. He, um, the man here, he put some of the same blend into a cavevery underground, uh, and that's got some huge kind of texture to it, but interesting considering that it's uh, it's dessert apple variety, so one wouldn't necessarily expect a huge amount of sort of mouthfeel texture and complexity because there's not much tannin in there. It really does. It's really bold, but quite light. Uh, whereas the same blend here in, in the in the bourbon barrel, it's very soft. It has a has a richness, but again, it's not it's not sickly or cloying in any way. It's, I suspect it's pretty much bone dry, isn't it? And they're all dry. Yeah, they're so, all bone dry. So I, mean, I, I don't have a background in cider making. That's pretty well known. I come from basically natural winemaking, so I treat apple juice a bit like grape juice. Um, and my whole approach is basically to let that raw ingredient do all of the talking. So there's no sulfur, we don't pitch yeast, um, and we we let the ferments go to dryness. If we, I mean, the pet gnats we bottled while it was still fermenting to give it carbonation and a point of difference, and it's a really pure expression of that fruit. But then everything else goes to dryness, and we don't filter, so if we were to back sweeten, then it would re-ferment where we didn't want it to. And I, I don't struggle with that, and I don't struggle with the fact that they're not bittersweet. And initially I did, and I thought, oh, no one's going to take it seriously as cider because it doesn't contain um, cider varieties. And then actually, they're, they're, they're lighter and they're different, but they have a personality and an integrity all of their own. I, I think that maybe even as short a time space as five years ago, there might have been a different reaction from the from the trade, from the industry, from the consumer. But yeah. because of because of natural wine and because of broadening of interest of interesting drinks and well-made drinks, minimal intervention style drinks, the category is becoming broader and more accepting and understanding of what of what constitutes a really, really good drink. A different drink, absolutely. This is not a, a, a Tom Oliver 
bold, vintage, turn your mouth inside out kind of bitterness and astringency and spiciness type thing. But it's light, it's very delicate, it's packed full of flavor. That grippy tannin, some real lovely sort of tropical fruits in there, it's awesome. So it's it's really interesting times inside it. There's, there's so much going on and, and, and you're another important part of what's happening. Well, I think as well, I'd just like to add that it's, um, I'm in a really, really lucky and unique position, as is my business partner. We both have day jobs. Mine's making natural wine and running a farm. His is growing apples to sell for juice and, and rearing sheep. And he's also got a wedding menu. And um, the cider thing just came out of nowhere and it was just born of sort of we both saw those apples hanging there and thought, oh God, we've got to do something with right. them, you know? And the beauty is that we've got no pressure, commercial pressure to do anything, to, to push it. We've got the freedom to experiment as well and take our time to find our way with it. So next vintage, I want to do things like fill a query just with crushed whole apples okay. with their skins on, let it go its own way. I've done co-ferments with wine grapes and ciders as trials and I want to expand on that yeah, and wow. have a load of fun. Now listen, I've got a quite an empty glass here, so I should probably try. I've had Oh really? No. Oh my god. That's fine, it's a podcast. It's not the BBC. <laughs> not my long chalk. Um, <laughs> what did you just have? So um, I've not had anything from here yet. I've had I've had the pet nap before. Which uh, yeah. Because I used it in a cheese tasting and it's... Just get the frame of reference of the sort of neutrality, if you like, of it. It's that fresh fruit. Apple. It's the sensation of it as well, though. It just kind of just, it's that beautiful foaming sparkle and kind of... See you downstairs in yeah. Oh man, it's all these like amazing people just in one space. I'm kind of like a kid in a yeah. shop. It's incredible. Well, thank you for no. including me with those people, if you were. No, <laughs> come on. No, the pet nap, when I first had it, blew me away because I'd been brought into the world of cider by, by Felix. So there's a lot of yeah. kind of, um, like that Herefordshire, kind of big crunchy tannic yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so to have something from closer to my neck of the woods was really inspiring. So there's people queuing up here for a pour. Yeah. All culinary apples, no bittersweets. It's a pet nap from the stainless steel tannic bottles while it was still fermenting. All wild ferment, zero additions. This guy's taking his chances with two glasses. For the lady as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's five o'clock. There's plenty to use up. Um, so what should I try next? We've just had the pet nap. So the pet nap is like the freshest, driest, crispest one that we do. Um, and what we do is take it just to another level. Same varieties, but fermented individually in old whiskey casks. And then seven months in a whiskey cask, not topped up bottled with a tiny bit of sugar just for conditioning which gives it a little bit of a spritz so it's basically like the funky big brother to the one you just tried <laughs> yeah oh, and it, it smells like yeah big brother sauce. more depth of flavor in this one more, more structure oh, wow Thank you so much for attending the, uh, the first ever Cider Salon here in Bristol. Gabe Cook there on the mics, if you can hear that. Yeah, Gabe! Uh, I just wanted to give uh, a couple of thanks, uh, first of all, to you for attending and supporting this new wave of fantastic artisan and craft cider and perry making gear. Also, a big thank you to, uh, to, to Martin Barkley from Hilton Cider and Mr. Tom Oliver from Oliver Cider and Oliver Cider. to Felix National Fine Cider Company for helping to uh, curate this fantastic selection. Woo!
And of course, to all of our uh, brilliant producers in the room here today, especially those who come all the way uh, from outside the UK, from Estonia and from North America, Angry Orchard, Eden Ciders, uh, and Ancho Ciders from DCB and Porto. So a big thanks to all the producers, please. I know, uh, we have been having and are still having a fantastic time, but I'm actually the harbinger of bad news. We've only got 15 minutes left until the last ball. The last ball will be a quarter past five. So much further time is absolutely flowing. So this is your last opportunity. Go for the test. Thank you. Bit of Barrett Barrel. That was yeah. amazing. That last one. Mm. So this is the new edition, 200 bottles of uh, Urban Cask. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we basically. I had a Quivevery as well, the Georgian terracotta pot, yeah. and we bought a bourbon barrel. Really interesting, so it's the same blend of juice, um, but 200 litres in a cask, bourbon cask, versus 200 litres in a terracotta pot, buried in the ground. And so this is the <laughs> bourbon one, which yeah. it's got that touch of vanilla, you know it's come yeah, from yeah, a barrel, right. bit of a bourbon kick. Really smooth. Really smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Not, no, no dryness at all, really. It just takes that dry edge off what you had in the There's other There's so ones. much more akin to that kind of world of wine coming through. It really is that sort of super smooth, crisp, tannic gorgeousness. Like yeah. One no, more. Not in a bad way. No, in a good way. <laughs> well, I like to hear that. I'm, I'm happy to... Like a, you know, the soft rind, like moldy, white, green. Okay. Yeah, yeah that so kind of good. slightly kind of fungal, yeah. sort of mushroomy... Yeah, and you smell it, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, yeah. Put that on your marketing. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all all about microbes. So everything we do in the vineyard and on the farm and um, in the winery is all the time to encourage natural a natural balance of bacteria and the biome. So whether that's in the soil supporting plant health and nutrition and an immune response, or whether it's conducting fermentations and just trying to keep a balance. And I think terroir is largely a product of microbes, of, of yeast. And so you're almost like you're curating a kind of bacterial microflora. I've only just begun. Okay. And it's, um, you know, our soils, the way they're farmed, you know, we are, we're, we've been obliterated now for decades. Okay. We put our soils back into a condition that they once were, pre-industrialization is the wow. major sort of objective of okay. any good farmer. Um, and it's starting to happen across all sectors of farming, more so in countries like Austria, um, where they really, really get it. Yeah. Everyone gets it. Well, that's a bit of a hotbed for kind of natural wine as well. That's as well. Sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go figure. I mean, it's yeah. no surprise, is it? No. If you begin to understand, like, so this one is from the clay pot. Okay. Buried in the ground in a terracotta. So it is like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Literally, and the apple juice. Yeah. Who does all your, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a question, but who does your branding? It's really beautiful, the, all the labels. Thanks. Um, I'm just back as well, so yeah. I know what it actually is. Yeah. I know you'd rather talk about the cider, but the actual, thank you know. You. Well, labels is, thank you so much. Labels are so important. Yeah. You know. Um, the appeal on the shelf. Thank you. you got, cheers. You've got to get the cider right, or the wine, that's a given. Yeah. Um, but there's loads of people who make fantastic wines. Um, who may fail because they can't commercialise it properly and the large part of that is the public's interaction with the product. Yeah. And that's part of storytelling. It doesn't have to just be about labels. There are people with shitty labels who've got amazing stories yeah. that have captivated people. Um, there's probably lots of... No, there's, there's, you know, you yeah. see it. You see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, 
No, I, it's all happened very organically with the cider. So we just managed to meet through connections, people who are like great illustrators, for yeah. example. I mean, on the wine side, I met the uh, creative agency who came up with my wine uh, logo for, for that company um, because they did his, and it's just it's a nice way of doing business. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's good. So I wanted to ask you because obviously you're you seem to stand out a little bit here, and that your approach is quite. Uh, unfettered by what you know, by what people sort of accept is the norm, if yeah. you like. But you're also talking about pre-industrialization. You're talking about Georgian terracotta. I mean, how much are you influenced by kind of historical methods? I really am quite ignorant about the traditional practices of English okay. cider making. Right. Um, and I really mean that. I'm not being disingenuous. Um, I really want to visit some guys who are obviously here today yeah. I've yet to visit their places I had a couple come over to me um, but yeah I mean I, I want to go in and, and learn and see what's going on and some of it may not be applicable sure. yeah, maybe may things I don't adopt but until I really know there might be great things that they're doing that I can adopt or adapt yeah. and bring into my practice yeah. um, sound like a yogi no, well, no <laughs> but I think that's what really strikes me about the industry as a whole is that willingness to really share you know, information and knowledge and, and a real passion for it and I think that's it really marks it out actually as a really collaborative industry in that way. You know, there's a little tiny nugget and I see it and I've seen it from travelling around wine regions and stuff like that and I've seen it inside it too now in the UK. When people are doing things which are relatively prosaic right. that anyone can do and all there is to differentiate them is things like pricing and marketing and stuff yeah, right. like that. There tends to be a lack of um, cooperation, there tends to be a bit of competitiveness and yeah. slightly resentment. When people are doing their own thing and doing it really, really well, yeah. no one else can do that. It's not, no one's going to steal your recipe because no. it's not about that. No. It's about authenticity mm. and that's what most of the guys here today have got is authenticity. Yeah, right. And there's those sort of people who are willing to share ideas and be truly collaborative. Mm. And that, that's happening in regions as well, like Austria like Croatia, where you've got guys in this little community of people doing things, and they've all got different grapes, because ultimately it stops being, it starts becoming about the grapes, and if one man's grapes will be unique to another man's, yeah, right. so there's no, no two wines will ever taste the same, it's only when you lose that, yeah. when, you just, when they're just homogenized and commodity apples, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. that's bollocks, who's interested yeah, in yeah. that anyway? Brilliant. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to let you crack on because as Gabe said, we've got five more minutes. You want yeah, to pour yeah, some more? There we go. So that was Ben there from Starve Crow. Really interesting uh, cider maker down in Ryan, Sussex. Sorry, man. But um, I'm, I'm making my way towards Ryan there. So Ryan's just... Uh, Ryan's over from the States. He's done a lot of work with Tom Oliver, which is how I became aware of what he does. But he's kind of big news in the kind of American cider scene. So... Uh, Hopefully have a little chat with him. How's it going, man? Good, how are you? Yeah, really good, yeah. really good. Thanks for having a little chat. Right, right, yeah, you're being no, recorded. Being, Everyone's right. being recorded. Okay. Uh, so what are, you, what are we drinking? Uh, I'm drinking um, Understood Emotion 3, which is a uh, collaboration between uh, Angry Orchard and Oliver's Cider. Right, okay. So this is how I became aware of what you guys do. Yeah. There we are. So look, there's some more... Because we're TikToking closer to the last pour and... Uh, going to be some disappointed people if we're so not last, Yeah, last bottle. Yeah. Here we go. So yeah, this cider is uh, started in 2016. Well, I guess it's important. It sort of depends on how you look at it. Tom and I started collaborating back in 2012. Uh, we made a cider called Gold Rush year on year since then. Uh, we made a cider called Ledbury at a, at a cider company that I used to make cider at. This is the first uh, Oliver's Angry Orchard collaboration done in the States. Uh, 
Um, so 10% of this cider was actually fermented in Hereford. Okay. Uh, so in 2016, both Tom and I started a Dabinet heavy fermentation. Uh, Tom's in Hereford, grown with Hereford uh, Dab, and mine uh, grown in New York. Okay. And then in 2017, I shipped over the dry cider from Hereford, uh, first class, yeah. to America, and Tom, uh, down where they keep the dogs, um, <laughs> just kidding, um, we sent the cider and Tom over uh, to the U.S., yeah. and we blended the two base Dab fermentations together, Wow. Uh, and then we tasted through all of this old vintage uh, cider in our barrel program starting back in 2014 up to 2016, picked our favorite stuff, uh, spent a few days tasting and blending and building this cider um, out of a uh, vintage. And did you uh, guys vintage. come into it with, a, I guess, a vision of what you were, what, what you were aiming for, or were you kind of led no. by the apples, if you like? Yeah, led by the apples. Yeah. What, the, one, we wanted to be bittersweet cider. Yeah. Two, it had to be um, um, wild fermentation. Okay. Those were the parameters. Um, the cider Tom had never tasted before. Uh, honestly, some of it I hadn't tasted in years. So um, it, a lot of it was new to me even then. Um, so really we tasted just on preference to start. Uh, and then over the days we started to blend up, blend with purpose. Okay. Um, but initially just, hey, we like this. No, we don't like that. Right. Uh, okay, maybe we need to distill this actually. This is too old. Uh, so actually we revisited a bunch of old cider. Um, and yeah, after a few days, alongside of a lot of cheese and meat, uh, we figured out uh, this cider. Is there a luxury to that? Does that it sounds like a like what you light up a little bit when you talk about that period of time? It's a, like quite a luxurious process, or is that well, quite standard? I mean, for you? does it need to be luxurious? I mean, cheese, meat, cider, these are farm-based products. Yeah, but it's also um, I'm, there's no, I'm not critic. The, the use yeah. of the word luxurious is uh, yeah, man, yeah. that sounds good. I yeah, want yeah. some of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say it's luxurious in. Um, the ability to collaborate with somebody that's so important right. to me and to spend the time uh, that it took to make the cider, exactly. uh, that's luxurious to me. Um, uh, I mean, Tom's a mentor. Um, uh, second. To a lot of he's people. A, he's, a friend, he's, a, he's a friend first. Yeah, right. Uh, but he's absolutely my mentor. Um, I've learned so much from him, and I like to think that uh, it's a symbiotic relationship at this point uh, because a lot of the things we're doing in the U.S., uh, you're starting to see happen here now yeah right uh, like cider festivals like this yeah you know this is a, a weekly occurrence in the states it's amazing um, this is like the first time such a gathering has taken place yeah in the uk yeah probably well um, yeah i mean speaking to felix it's like yeah exactly that it yeah it's pretty amazing it really so, happen like this you know it's the work of a lot of people that care about uh real cider sure. that have gotten us to the point where there's people from Finland here, and there's people from Estonia here, yeah. and there's people from Spain here, and from the US, all over the UK, um, and probably people that I didn't speak to that are from further afield. Uh, that's pretty special to see this global resurgence of cider that, you know, 10 years ago wasn't really happening. Yeah, right. um, and it's really cool to see so many people uh, still here that I met back then yeah um, and then so many new people but it's too. great because there's a lot of people who who are sort of in that inner circle yeah and then there's people like me who have been yeah. well like welcomed in with open arms yeah. it's amazing you know it's a it's a super welcoming yeah. industry yes and I think that that kind of 
that can only work in its favour because there's a lot of people here that maybe four or five years ago wouldn't have even thought of coming to something like this. Yeah. And, and, and I just, that's really exciting. I mean, so I'm from a, a cheese, a, the cheese world. Yes. And I think the cheese world could do with a little bit more of this kind of outward looking innovation, if I'm honest. I yes. Mean, uh, you know, take, again, take a little bit of the leaf out of the, the, the well, American book, if you like. Certainly if they put some cider alongside of it. Yeah. But is it right that your, your Tom mentioned something along the lines of, um, for every question, the right answer is uh, cheese. Cheese. cheese I, lo I love you, man. <laughs> cheese is the answer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Too right. Yeah. What should I pair this with? Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Listen. Always. Brian, thank you for talking yeah, to me. Cheers, you've, got, you've got a lot of really interested people who want some oh, of your cider. Right. They can so just pour you. it. <laughs> I am back in the corner that I started in, and oh, probably I'll need a couple of days just to kind of. I guess sort of uh, process this a little bit, particularly when I've not got quite so much cider in my system. But it, it's been a really amazing experience, and I've really chatted to some fantastic people. And yeah, look, I'm going to leave it at that. But um, this has been Seliman at the uh, cider salon, the very first cider salon in Bristol, and it's been an absolute, absolute stormer. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs> Cheers. cider salon part two and it was brilliant i think the only thing i'll say is there were i mean way too many people for me to speak to and, and i feel a little bit devastated listening back that i didn't get to speak to more people because the conversations i did have were fascinating and varied and the products i tried were all delicious so uh I, yeah i suppose i'm apologizing for not covering it more broadly uh i'll be there at the next one i feel there has to be a next one it was such a such a great experience such a great opportunity for so many people there um, again, slight apology for the sound, but I think you get a real sense of what it was like to be there. It was rammed. It was so busy. It was, you know, you were sort of having shouted conversations and listening in as carefully as you could because, you know, so many people around you. But yeah, so it's a, it's not a studio crystal clear listen, but it does give you a real idea uh, of what it was like to be at the Cider Salon. Um, so next time, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm speaking to Jenny Linford. Now, Jenny's a food writer and she's written a fantastic book about time so stay tuned for that one uh, and look forward to seeing you then cheers Bye.